For those of you who weren't here um, last night, um, uh, my, my name is Mike, and um, uh, I'm uh, both uh, a pastor of a local church and a fashion icon. And um, uh, I, I juggle two roles, really. Um, and I just wanted you to know that. We're going to worship the Lord some more uh, a bit later on. Uh, what I want to do tonight, and what I said last night, is uh, I want to look at uh, really practically at, at, at hearing God speak. Because uh, it's my conviction that every Christian, every follower of Jesus is meant to hear the voice of, of Jesus, is meant to hear the voice of the Father. It's our birthright. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they recognize my voice. And the only qualification you need is to, to hear Jesus is to be a sheep. Uh, that's it. And we complicate it, and we turn it into something that's for the super spiritual elite. And uh, it's not. It's for people like you, and it's for people like me. And uh, what I want to do is, this isn't an attempt to convince the skeptics uh, about the gift of prophecy for today. I'm not a theologian. I'm just an incredibly old youth pastor. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I just, I don't, I, you know, the he's the theologian, and um, I tell jokes. And... Uh, uh, so I'm not going to attempt to convince the skeptics. If you want to look at the theology behind this, there's some great material out there. Um, there's a, a book on uh, the gift of prophecy by a guy called Wayne Grudem, uh, which is very good. Uh, there's a great tome uh, called The Holy Spirit and Spiritual Gifts by um, uh, Dr. Max Turner, who's uh, uh, been for years a senior lecturer at the London School of Theology. Um, and there's a number of other good stuff. What I want to do is try and be really practical, because I hope at the end of this, uh, it's not about convincing the skeptics, but it's about equipping the saints. I want you to be equipped uh, to hear his voice and to follow him. Now, um, the way I want to do this um, is really by starting by talking about one of my favorite subjects, me. And uh, I, I just really, the way I want to do it is I want to tell you uh, my story about how I came into these things, not only because I love talking about me, um, although that is a reason, but because I hope that it might connect and you might recognize yourself um, in some of this. Um, uh, I was uh, an accountant until I was 29, and then God rescued me from a life of... <laughs> Uh, now, if you're called to be an accountant, that's wonderful. And I have met some people who are called to be accountants, and I honor them, and I, I'm just amazed. But I wasn't, and I wasn't very good at it. I had to work twice as far, hard uh, to stay there. I just, I, I, organization isn't my gift, and detail isn't my gift. Food is my gift. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that never really worked. And then um, I turned up at this church uh, called St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, an Anglican church um, uh, just outside London. And uh, I turned up because I was broken. And uh, I turned up because I was hurting. And, 
Uh, I started going. They had these 7 a.m. prayer meetings every morning to pray for revival. And I went there. And they were all there because they were wanting revival. I couldn't care less about revival. I was there for me. I was there because I just needed to be a place where God was and where God's people were, where God would heal me. And to my amazement, one day, uh, the vicar of the church, uh, he asked to see me. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's discerned my secret sins and I'm in trouble. Uh, And when I went to his house, I discovered that he wasn't um, spiritual enough to discern my secret sins. And instead, he asked if I'd give up my job as an accountant and be the youth pastor of the church. Well, I said yes before he could discern my secret sins and change his mind. And uh, I was the youth pastor of the church for about four or five years. And I loved it. I loved it. It was a wonderful time. But for some reason, I got it into my head that in, um, in kind of Christian uh, career progression, uh, when you start, you start with the youth, uh, where it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. That's where you can make your mistakes, and that's where you start there. And once you've done your apprenticeship uh, with teenagers, um, then you get promoted to do proper ministry with the adults. And so after four or five years, I went to my vicar, and I said, I've done nearly five years with the, with the teenagers. I think it's time I was promoted to work with the adults. And he said, are you sure that's what you want? And I said, I'm sure. And he went away and prayed about it. And then he came back and he said, okay, from the 1st of September, uh, we're going to find a new youth pastor. And I'm going to appoint you assistant to the associate vicar. And I love that because it had the word vicar in. And if you're Anglican, that word is sexy. You know, I was going to, the assistant to the associate vicar. Anyway, September the 1st came and I walked into the office for the first day in my new role and they gave me my calling card. And immediately I knew there was something wrong. When I read the calling card and it said, Mike Pilavachi. Ass to ass vicar. <laughs> and then it went and then it went downhill from there. Within within days I realized I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. It was working with adults, I realized within days is the most boring thing in the world. Everything happens in slow motion. Would you like another cucumber sandwich? I think I'm going to kill myself. You know, and not only was I bored out my skull working with boring adults, but I missed the young people. And I realized that working with the young people, it wasn't just a job. It was my life. I loved them. They were my family. And I missed them terribly. And I couldn't go back because there was a new youth pastor. And it wasn't fair on the new youth pastor if the old youth pastor hung out with the young people. So I was stuck. And and I couldn't go back to the old role. And I wasn't happy with the role I had now. and, And I couldn't see a way forward. I thought, what am I going to do? I've made a dreadful, dreadful error. And and it was agony, to be honest. And after six months, uh, a colleague of mine called Barry Kissel in the church, he was invited to go to France uh, to speak at a youth conference in Lille in northern France. And he asked me to go with him to keep him company. I was just there to keep him company. And we got to Lille 
And they knew nothing about me, nothing about what was going on in my life. I was just Barry's friend, uh, assistant that was coming to keep him company. And on the night before the youth conference started, uh, we, we met with, the, with the, the French pastors. And there were about 12 of them. And we had a meal with them around this big table. And then they cleared all the plates away. And then we prayed. Uh, uh, the 12 youth pastors and myself and Barry. And of course the youth pastors, they, the, the, the French pastors prayed in French. And Barry and I prayed in English. And someone translated I mean, obviously not for the Lord's sake, because he's bilingual, but so that we could understand each other. And then in the middle of the prayer time, I noticed one of the French pastors get up and start walking towards the door. And you know, like sometimes we can be very judgmental. Well, sometimes I can be very judgmental. And uh, I started thinking, oh, these French, they can't pray like us Brits. He's, one of them's leaving already. Anyway, as I was, as I was watching him, he went to the coat stand, and instead of taking his coat, um, he took this coat of a little girl. It would have been, you know, the coat that would be worn for maybe a six-year-old girl. And I thought, what's he doing with that? And then instead of leaving, he started walking back to the table. My interest started to get mingled with um, anxiety when I realized he was walking directly to me. And in the middle of the prayer time, he stood in front of me, he opened this little girl's coat, and he said, put it on. <laughs> and I sat there and I thought, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I, I can't put it on. And then he said a second time, put the coat on. That's a French accent for you. He said, put the coat on. And, and I, I was starting to panic. And, and, and I said, I can't put it on. He said, a third time, put it on. And, and, and I thought, we're going to have a problem here. And I looked, I looked across at, at Barry. And, and, and I went like this to him. I went. <laughs> and Barry, being the man of faith and power that he is, he closed his eyes and carried on praying. <laughs> and I knew I was on my own. So I thought you know what, I need to try and meet this guy halfway. So I made this effort to put my hand in the sleeve and I just managed to get the fingers in and I went like this. Mm, mm, mm. And then I took my fingers out and I said, you see, I can't put it on. And then he looked at me and he said, why not? And I thought, he's thick as well as French. So I started to talk to him the way we English talk to foreigners when we think they don't understand. I said, because it doesn't fit. No. And then he said, exactly. And God wants to say to you, stop trying to put the old coat back on. The old coat doesn't fit you anymore. You're between coats, between ministries, and you feel naked and vulnerable, and you want to run back to the old coat, the old ministry, but God wants to say to you, wait for me. I know what I'm doing. Wait until I give you the new coat, the new ministry that will fit you for the next phase of your life. Well, I tell you, guys, I tell you...
I, I, was, I was completely shocked. And, and to my shame, I had two reactions, two responses. And the first one, I'm so embarrassed about the first one. The first one was this. Oh, my goodness, God really does exist. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't have had any doubts because he pays my salary. <laughs> And may, may I just say in parentheses here, that's the difference between me and most of you. I'm paid to be good. You, on the other hand, are good for nothing. And, 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 and then the second thought was, oh my goodness, and he knows all about me, and I'm not on my own, and he's here and he knows what's going on in my life, and it's not just my mistake, and maybe God has a plan, and I wanted to run out of that room going, yes, God, yes, God, yes, but of course I didn't, and then I went home, and I thought, what on earth was that? Because, you know, up until then, the only time I'd encountered anything like it was, was in our church when three quarters of the way through the worship, someone would stand up and say, I have a picture of a waterfall, and God says, I love you. And that's nice. It's really nice. And it's, you know, but when it happens every week, you know, I mean, it's, there's only so many waterfalls you can digest. And, 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 and this was like, oh my goodness, what was this? I think this was a prophecy. This was nothing like anything I'd experienced. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a study. I'm going to find out. Is this how God can speak today? So I started reading the book. And you know like you read passages for this so many times and then something happens or you get a fresh revelation and you read the same thing you've read for years and it's like suddenly you think, how did I not see that before? How on earth? What, what? It's obvious. Why wasn't it obvious yesterday? Anyone else know that or is it just me? And, and do you know... It was like I started reading the scripture and I realized this is, this is a record of God speaking prophetically to his people. He spoke, he spoke the world into existence. He spoke to a wandering nomad called Abraham. He spoke to uh, Isaac. He spoke to Jacob. He spoke to Joseph through dreams. He spoke to Moses at a burning bush. He spoke to Gideon through a fleece. Uh, he spoke to Samuel when he was a little boy in the temple. And you go on and on and on. And, and there's a whole section in the Old Testament called the books of the prophets. And then I went to the Gospels. And I just saw for the first time how Jesus, before nearly every major incident or decision of his life, he'd either go into a desert or up a mountain in order to pray. And I suddenly realized, you know what, I think he was getting his marching orders. And, and how Jesus would say, I only do what I see my father doing. In another place he would say, I only speak the words my father gives me to speak. And I thought, if that was true of Jesus... How should it be true of me? And then I read the Acts of the Apostles, the story of the early church. And I saw a church that was dynamically led by the voice of God. God spoke to them. And then I turned to, to the letters. And uh, I mean, there was so much in the letters, but there was one verse. I don't know how many times I'd read it, but this time it just, it just came out the page and hit me in the face. And it was 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. And it says, Paul says, make love your aim. Make love your aim. 
and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And I thought, wow, eagerly desire, especially the gift of prophecy. Are we meant to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts? Because do you know what I'd done up until that time? I'd done something that was very spiritual and very holy. I'd said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, others may desire your gifts, the trinkets, the toys, the works of your hand. But I, Lord, I desire you. Others may want the works of your hand, but I want to see your face. And that's very spiritual and very holy and very wrong. Because the giver says, eagerly desire my gifts. If you want to find me, you find me through my gifts. He commands us to eagerly desire. Now, I am actually a theologian. And I, I looked up that phrase, eagerly desire, in the original Greek. Do you know what it means? I'll tell you what it means. You might want to write this down. It means to desire with eagerness. (laughs) It's what I do before a meal. I eagerly desire. I eagerly, I desire with eagerness. And I was like, eagerly desire. And, And it says, especially especially the gift of prophecy. And I thought, why especially the gift of prophecy? And the clue comes two verses later on in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, where Paul says, For anyone who prophesies speaks to men and women for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's the reason. That's the purpose. And the last time I checked in on the church of Jesus, I think we still needed a little bit of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Because that's what the gift of prophecy does. And I've seen it again and again and again. And so I thought, okay, we're commanded to eagerly desire especially, so I'm going to. And so I went up, I went up to my bedroom and I closed the curtains because I've always believed it's more holy in the dark. And I said, Lord, I eagerly desire, especially the gift of prophecy. Give me a prophecy now. And nobody explained to me how you hear God speak. Nobody explained to me. So I got it in my head that you had to tune in to the right spiritual frequency, a bit like those old-fashioned radios, you know, that you would turn the dial. So I said, Lord, I eagerly desire, especially the gift of prophecy. Give me the gift of prophecy now. And then I went like this. (laughs) And of course, I realize now that that's not how you get the gift of prophecy. That, my dear brothers and sisters, is the gift of constipation. How can you hear anything when you're, "Mm." and after quite a long time of straining, the only thing that came into my mind was spaghetti. (laughs) And honestly, there's only so many things you can do prophetically with spaghetti. (laughs) The Lord says to you, bolognese, to you, carbonara. After that, Unless they're Italian, it doesn't really work. So I thought, I've eagerly desired, especially, 
It hasn't worked. At least I've, I've obeyed and I've eagerly desired. He hasn't given it to me. I can forget it. And then a little while later, um, our church started a retreat, um, a 10-day retreat. We would, we would have uh, about 12 church pastors and their spice uh, come to spend 10 days with us, and we would go through various subjects. And I, I heard that on the last night, the Tuesday night, it was going to be the prophetic night. And a guy called Bruce Collins, who was a, a church leader in Harrow near where we we were, was going to come, who was prophetically gifted, was going to come with an assistant from his church, and they were going to aim to do prophetic ministry and hear God for the pastors and their spies. And when I heard that, I thought, you know what, I want, I want to, I want, I've never heard of this, I want to be there. So I asked if I could be there, and they said, yes, I could sit at the back as long as I didn't disrupt anything. And uh, I went there, and uh, there was Bruce and his colleague, his assistant, they were sitting in two chairs at the front, and the pastors and their spice were all sitting in a semicircle around. And then Bruce invited them to come, either if they were single on their own or if they were coupled together. And he said, Now, uh, my colleague and I, we're going to pray, we're going to listen to the Lord, and then we're going to share what we think God might be saying for you. And you know what? You can, you weigh it, you have to weigh it. Well, I tell you, my eyes were on stalks because they started saying stuff and not all of it, but loads of it seemed to be really helpful to people, like really helpful. And at the end of the meeting, I went up to Bruce and I said, how did you do that? I tried to do that and all I got was spaghetti. (laughs) And Bruce said to me, Mike, it's a thing you grow in. You ask the Lord and you learn to listen. You learn to listen. And then he said to me, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be doing this again in six weeks' time. In six weeks' time, why don't you come and be my assistant and we can prophesy together? And I said, okay. And the reason I said that was because he said it was going to be in six weeks. And I thought, I've got six weeks to become spiritual. Six weeks to become holy. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, right, I'm going to get myself sorted. I'm going to pray every day for six weeks. I'm going to read my Bible every day for six weeks. I'm going to fast every day for six weeks. Hold on between meals. Because that's how I do my fasting. And at the end of six weeks, I will be worthy. I will be spiritual superman. And I will become a prophet of God. (laughs) Well, you can guess what happened, can't you? (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) And then one morning, six weeks later, I woke up and I looked at my diary. And suddenly I sat bolt upright in bed in a cold sweat. I suddenly realized, oh no, today's the day I'm meant to become a prophet. (laughs) And I sat there and I didn't feel very prophetic. I got up, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't look very prophetic. In fact, I looked more pathetic than prophetic. (laughs) And then I suddenly had this nightmare scenario came into my head. I would be sitting next to Bruce, and we would pray for the first couple. And then Bruce would have all these wonderful words for them from Ezekiel, because I noticed he kept doing that. And then he would turn to me, and everyone would turn to me, and Bruce would say, and what do you have, Mike? And I would say, not a lot. 
And then the next couple would come up and Bruce would have more wonderful words from Ezekiel. And then Bruce would turn to me and everyone would turn to me and Bruce would say, what do you have for this couple, Mike? And I would say, pass. And I would... I would not have anything for anyone, and it would be a humiliation. And I suddenly thought I will be the first prophet in the history of Christianity who never prophesies. <laughs> so I thought, I need to practice before I get there. So I, I asked the Lord to give me a prophetic word for the cat. <laughs> and he did. I said to my cat, I said, Jeremy, for that was his name. I said, Jeremy, the Lord says to you, meow. <laughs> now, seriously, Jeremy seemed blessed. But I, I knew that it had to be more than that. I knew it had to be more than that. So I thought, I need to practice on real human beings. So I went to the supermarket, you know, our version of Walmart or whatever it is you do, um, Whole Foods. I was in, oh, wow, I was in Whole Foods yesterday. Flip, that's a good place. That's uh, my word. That is, oh. I could live there. It was, uh, I suddenly thought, you know, it's like a, I just got a little picture of heaven. A window, well, that's my problem, as you can see. And, and so I went to the supermarket and I started walking around with my shopping trolley. Do you call them trolleys? Cart, cart, that's it, cart. You, you don't really speak English, do you? And, uh, and, and, and I was asking the Lord to give me a word. And all I did was scare people. I remember there was this elderly lady. She was in the middle of an aisle and she was putting breakfast cereal into her cart. And you know when you suddenly think there's someone looking at me and she just went like this and then she looked down the aisle and there I was. And all I did was frighten people and I didn't get anything. And I went home so discouraged and I thought time is ticking away. It's not going to be long before I have to go to my nightmare. And, and then I started thinking, right, what, what do I do? If I don't have the gift of prophecy, maybe I could try the gift of guessing, you know? And, and, and then I thought, no, that's just not going to work, you know? I mean, unless you have a word like the Lord says, you're a man, you know? And even then you can get that wrong these days, can't you? And, and so I thought, this isn't going to work. Uh, um, and, then, and then I thought, maybe I could get ill. So I actually, I, I prayed that I would get ill. I laid hands on myself backwards. Less, Lord, less. But I didn't get ill. I was fine. And then the time went, and with a heavy heart, I got into the car, and I drove to this place, and I stopped. And it, I, seriously, it was like arriving for an operation. Uh, it was like, oh no, and, and I got out, and I, I, as I walked in the front door, I, heard, I overheard one of the pastors whisper to another one, I think that's one of the prophets, and I thought, oh please, and I thought, you know what, if I can't be prophetic, I may as well try and look prophetic, so I tried to give them my best prophetic look, And then Bruce saw me and he said, Mike, come and sit next to me. And it was exactly how I imagined it. They all sat in this semicircle and there was Bruce and me. And Bruce said what we would do. And then he invited the first couple forward. And then Bruce said, now Mike and I are just going to listen to the Lord. And we're going to pray. And, I, and my heart was racing. And, and, and as we prayed, I said, please, Lord, please, please, if you, please, 
if you just give me one word for one person. I'll never ask for anything again. I'll do anything you want. Just one word. If you give me one word, I'll be nice to my sister. I'll, I'll go as a missionary to Canada. I'll do anything you want. If you, if you, give, me, if you give me just one word. And then after ages, the only thing that came into my head was Dancing Queen by ABBA. <laughs> and and I, remember, as I said, Lord, stop messing around. Now is not the time. I need a prophetic word. I need a prophetic word. And you know, you know what it's like? And so I, I thought, it's the enemy. So I tried to rebuke the devil. And I, I tried not to think of Dancing Queen. And, and men here, men here, you know what I'm th- talking about, don't you? You know, when you start thinking, I will not think that thought. I will not. And I was like, I will not think that thought. What thought? That thought. Oh, no, I just thought it. And the more, the more I tried not to think of done, the more it was pounding in my skull. And then Bruce starts to prophesy. And it was my nightmare from Ezekiel. Da, 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 da. And then he turns to me, and everyone turns to me, and Bruce says, and what do you have, Mike? I smiled weakly, I closed my eyes, and I prayed the prayer I always pray, when nothing else will work, and I am completely desperate, I prayed for the second coming. I said, Lord, return now. End the world now. You're going to do it sometime if you love me, if you care about me. You can do it now. And I remember, you know, a day is as a thousand years to you. But of course, he didn't return then, did he? Because if he did, we wouldn't be here, would we? Although some of you might. And... And then then I was left with, I've got a choice. And I suddenly thought, you know what? If I say pass, I'm always going to say pass. I'm never going to say anything. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a chance. (laughs) One person got it. Take a chance on me. Oh, come on. I thought, I'm going to take a chance. So I looked at this pastor's wife, and I said, I tell you, I thought I was going to pass out. I said to her, I think that maybe the Lord wants to say to you, in the words of Abba, You can dance, you can jive, having the time of your life. And then I wanted to die. I said, ground, swallow me up, pinch myself. No, it's not a nightmare, this is actually happening to me. And then can you believe, I'll tell you, can you believe what happened next? This couple, they started laughing. 
the two of them, ha, 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 you can dance, ha, 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 that's so funny. And by this stage, you know, I was, you know, you get to the stage where you're beyond caring. It's like, I started getting angry. And I thought, thank you very much. Oh, I hope and pray, I thought to myself, that the day comes when you two step out in faith and it all goes horribly wrong for you. I hope I'm there to have a good laugh back at you. Oh, yes. And then the wife said to me, she said, that's amazing. She said, three weeks ago in our church, she said, I started a dance group in the worship uh, with two other ladies. And as we were driving to this meeting, I said to my husband, when we get back home, I'm going to tell the other two to scrap the dance group. What was I thinking starting a dance group? And she said, I actually said to my husband, I can't dance. I can't dance. God can even speak through Abba. <laughs> A second-rate Swedish dance group. I was the most shocked person there. I was like, Abba? Huh? Huh? Really? Really? Because, you know, I expected him to speak, hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? You know, in a deep voice. And I, I, I said to Bruce afterwards, Bruce, that couldn't have been God, Abba. And Bruce said, of course it was God. He speaks your language. He speaks, he, you know, he understands. He said, he, he's, God is the great communicator. He speaks our language. You know what? Yeah, when, when the Lord, when Jesus met Peter, he did a miracle with fish in the Sea of Galilee because Peter was a fisherman. He didn't do a miracle with sheep because Peter wasn't a shepherd. He didn't do a miracle with grapes because Peter wasn't a vineyard owner. He did a miracle in Peter's language. And, and Bruce said to me, you know what? He, he did it in a way that you can understand. And, and Bruce said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at home, you've got ABBA albums. <laughs> Can I tell you something seriously here for a moment? And I, I'll say, I'm single. And um, you know Agnetha from ABBA, the, 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 the blonde singer? Um, Amazing. She and I nearly got married years ago. The only thing that stopped us is we never met. <laughs> if we had met, I just know, I just know. And I said, to, sorry, that's terrible. And I said, I'm getting carried away here. I, I said, and I said to Bruce, really, could that be the Lord? And he said, that's how the Lord speaks. He, he, he you know, he speaks in, in riddles, he speaks in dreams, he speaks, and, and Bruce said to me, have, have you never read, have you ever read the book of Ezekiel? And I remember thinking, I know you have. 
You know, and Bruce said in, in Ezekiel, it's wheels within wheels and it's chariots of fire and it's lie on your left side for 390 days and it's dry bones coming together and it's a river flowing from the temple and it's all of that stuff and that's how God speaks. And I thought, wow, wow, why does he do that? And then, and then I noticed there's so many passages. I just want to read you one. Um, and this is in Numbers 12. Uh, Aaron and uh, Miriam had been opposing Moses. And they'd been complaining about Moses. And this is what the Lord says. Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Now what that is actually saying is that with the exception of Moses, God speaks in riddles and dreams. He does not speak clearly and he does not speak face to face. The question is why? Why, Lord? It would be so much easier if tablets of stone came down, if, if you said it with a big booming voice. Uh, why, why, why is it like that? I think there's two reasons biblically. First of all, the scripture tells us that we prophesy according to our faith. And if it was, hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? There'd be no place for faith. And you know what faith? Faith is the secret ingredient that take, until you add faith to the gifts of the Spirit, they are inert, they are inactive. But faith makes them active. And, and, and there's a place for faith. Now, it's not about having faith in faith. It's about growing in relationship with Him. As we were saying last night, you know what? The more you know Him, the more you trust Him. The more you know His character, the more you get to know Him. The more you know a little, a little kid. You know, I love watching... Um, uh, Andy with his two little boys and you know what they're crazy the oldest is three the youngest is one and, and the two of them you know like they'll literally I mean Josiah the three year old he'll stand somewhere high and Andy will be facing the other way and Joss will jump at him and say daddy I'm coming and fly through the air and Andy at the last minute would catch him but Joss has no doubt that daddy will catch him and it, it's that. And, you know, his, his faith is in Daddy because he knows Daddy. And Daddy so far has caught him every time. And he knows that Daddy loves him. And he knows that Daddy's for him. And so the first reason is we exercise faith to step out. He, he, I've said it before, but in the Scripture, I think it's a fair summary to say God shouts to his enemies. He whispers to his friends. You know, for Elijah... He, he had the great victory on Mount Carmel with the fire. And then he came, went, came down to the valley and he wanted to die. And then the Lord has to take him out Mount Horeb. And he hides him in the cleft of a rock. And there comes an earthquake, a wind and a fire. And God is not in the earthquake, the wind and the fire. And you know what? I think Elijah must have been tempted to think that God would be in the earthquake and the wind but how he could not have thought that God would be in the fire because he'd been in the fire on Mount Carmel. But the God was not in the fire. Then came a gentle whisper, a still small voice. And you see, 
You see, the earthquake, wind, and fire happens occasionally. The still small voice is every day. And we can't just hear God on mountaintops. We've got to hear him in the valleys of life. And he whispers in the valleys. And in John uh, 15, I love this verse. I love this verse. Uh, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I have received from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, just stick that in your pipe and smoke it for a few, for a few months. Just, just meditate on that one verse. It's an, just stop and think, I no longer call you servants. Just that, I no longer call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything, everything, everything I have received from my father, I have made known to you. There are no family secrets he keeps from his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And do you, do you know, the second reason he whispers is for intimacy's sake. Um, it's for intimacy's sake, so that we come close. Uh, my sister, years ago, when her middle daughter Joanna was about five, I was sitting in a room with my sister, and Joanna came to the door, and my sister said, Jojo, come here, mummy wants to tell you something. And Joanna, being a typical five-year-old, said, no. And my sister, who's very clever, said, Jojo, Mummy's got a secret to tell you. And Joanna was like, what is it, Mummy? Well, you're going to have to come closer because if I say it from here to there, I'll have to shout it and Uncle Mike will hear and you know how bad he is at keeping secrets. So Joanna came forward. She said, what is it, Mummy? It's this. I can't hear you, Mummy. Well, you'll have to come closer. What, Mummy? What, Mummy? Joanna got closer and closer until my sister grabbed her little girl and she said, the secret's this, mummy loves you. And Joanna was like, Ugh. <laughs> Now, I don't want to reduce God to human terms, but his dealing with us happen on human terms because we're human. And so he whispers so that we would come closer and closer until we can feel his breath on our necks, until we come to a place of intimacy. And that's why often it's like there's that place. It's, it's about faith and intimacy. It's about faith and intimacy. So how do you know whether a word is the Lord or not? Well, first of all, uh, the biblical uh, test is does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? You know, if it doesn't, it's not, it's not for the church. It's, it's, it's not for the church. Uh, secondly, uh, does it testify to Jesus? It says in Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, I know that means all sorts of things theologically, uh, that the spirit of prophecy in the Old Testament refers to the Holy Spirit. Um, but also, I, I, I'm convinced it, 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 it refers to that prophecies testify to Jesus. If it's really a, a prophetic word from God, it will exalt Jesus. It will reveal Jesus. When that French pastor came at me with that little girl's coat, my response was not, what an amazing French pastor. I love you. I want to follow you. 
My response was, Jesus, I love you more. You know all about me. You're so kind. Oh, wow, I, I, I like I know you better. You've spoken to me, Jesus. It testifies to Jesus. And, and, and New Testament prophecy is a lot more about revealing Jesus than it is about revealing the future. It's not a Christian version of fortune telling. It's about revealing Jesus and exalting Jesus. And that's, that's the test. Thirdly, and the one that encompasses them all, is, is does it agree with the book? It doesn't matter how spiritual it sounds, if it contradicts the book, it ain't from God. And the best way we can grow in the gift of prophecy is spending more time in the book. Because the more we get to know his character in the book, the more we will recognize, oh my goodness, yeah, that sounds like you, God. That does not sound like you. I recognize you because I've got to know you. I've got to know you because I've spent time in your word. And then another test is, is the discernment of the body. You know, sometimes there are prophetic words that there's nothing wrong with them. You know, they're, they're just blessed thoughts. They're just blessed thoughts. And, and you know, in, I know in our church, I was saying it to the leaders earlier. Sometimes when there's a blessed thought, nobody dies. It's not from the devil. It's just, you know, I see a waterfall and God says he loves you. You know, again, you know, and it's like as soon as it's given, we kind of forget it. But, you know, sometimes when, when, when it's the Lord speaking, it immediately, like, like the whole church is like, hmm, hmm, everyone, it's like discerned. Everyone recognizes it. And, and that's where we grow together. They're just some of the tests. They're just some of the tests. And, and the whole point of this is, you know, that couple, they were actually blessed. I'll tell you one more story, and then we're going to pray. And this happened uh, another time I was praying with, um, with Bruce in the same way. And uh, before the, this meeting, we had a meeting with them. Um, uh, we had dinner with the pastors and their spice. And I was sitting uh, opposite a couple where the wife said to me, she said, um, um, uh, uh, I hear you're Greek. And I said, I am of Greek extinction, yes. And she said, I lived in Athens once. And I thought, oh, no, we're going to have a boring conversation about Greece. Which, you know, so I changed the subject quickly. That's all, that's all we talked about, about the subject. Anyway, then, when it was their turn to come forward, and Bruce and I were praying, to my absolute horror, and the absolute horror, a Greek swear word came into my head. And I was like, oh, no. She told you she lived in Athens, and now you're swearing in Greek. What sort of Christian are you? You shouldn't be here. You're disgusting. You need to get... You need to get you, your brain's washed. You know, it's like, it's just, how can you, how can you be thinking, like, just say pass. And, and does anyone here speak Greek? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you the word. <laughs> um, and you don't repeat it to any Greek person. And the, the word is skadula. And skadula literally means female excrement. And in Greek, um, excrement is in neutral, masculine, and feminine. I've examined all three types. They seem the same to me. But anyway. And there's skada. Skada is poo. Skadenos is male poo. And skadula is female poo. And I don't need to explain to you. To say to a woman, skadula, female excrement, is a terrible insult. Yeah? You get that. It's a terrible thing to say. So I was like, there is no way I'm going there. I will say pass. 
Anyway, after a while, I opened my eyes, and Bruce was looking at me funny, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, I think the Lord's just told me he's given you a word for this woman. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? And I was trembling, because I thought, if she doesn't speak Greek, she won't understand. If she does speak Greek, she'll slap my face. So I was thinking, how do I say this? And honestly, honestly, guys, I was just trying to work it out. It was like, how on earth do I say this? So I said to her, forgive me if this is wrong, but I think that maybe the Lord wants to say to you, in his eyes, you are not a skadula. Guys, I promise you, when I said that, she completely lost it. She, and she collapsed. She was yelping. She was sobbing. Her husband had to just hold her. And we had to stop the meeting. And after a while, as she recovered, we found out the story. Before she was married to this pastor, she'd been married previously to a Greek. That's why she lived in Athens. And he abused her and he mistreated her. And in all the time they were married, he never called her by her name, Mary. The only word he ever used for her was female excrement. When his friends came, he would say, hey, Skadula, make us coffee. When they went out somewhere, he wouldn't introduce her as this is my wife, Mary. He would say, this is my female excrement. I had no idea. I wasn't going to say it. Do you know, Jesus spoke to her at that moment in a way that I was just... I can't believe he spoke to her. He spoke to her and he set her free and he began a healing process. And I was going to say pass. And it didn't seem very spiritual and it didn't seem very holy. And that's what I want to get across in all of this. You know what? We, every, every Christian here hears the Lord. If you've never heard the Lord, you, you're not a Christian. Because how could you possibly respond to him if you'd never heard his voice? This is your birthright. This is your birthright. And it's, it's learning to listen. There's so much. We could do a whole conference on this, but we can't. I'm going to stop now. But you know what? I'll just say this. You know, there are three aspects to the prophetic. There's the revelation, the interpretation, and the application. The revelation is the bare word or the picture or the thing. But then so often what we do is we stop there. When we get more mature in hearing God speak, we say, Lord, what's the interpretation of this? What does this mean? And then the application is, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to say it now? Do you want me to say it privately? Is it something I'm supposed to just pray about? You know, we need, we need you know, go on, go on an adventure. Go on an adventure together in listening to his voice. It's so wonderful. And you know the best bit? And I promise you, I've landed. We're just almost at the, we're at the, I'm just going to kneel here. Um, because this is, this is holy when you kneel. Okay, my little legs have had a lot to carry. And I, I can't do it anymore. Um, so. Oh. And. Oh, I may as well be honest. I could pretend it's a... <laughs> uh, but it's not. Um, 
actually, they're going to need a forklift truck to get me up again. <laughs> um, but I tell you, seriously, seriously, guys, and I end with this. You know what? I've seen people strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. It's such a privilege when you see doors unlocked, people who never thought that God would speak to them, and they receive his love, and he's always so kind, and he's gracious, and he's gentle, and he's tender. Go on an adventure. Listen to his voice. Spend time in quiet. Quieten your spirit. And, and remember, you know the way it happens with me? It might be different for you. Is, as I said last night, I often have a thought. What? That one comes out. Okay, thank you. you that was going to be an interesting fun. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That's the Lord speaking to you, yes. Yes. Prophet in the front row, mate. Um, and, uh, and um, you know, it's the most beautiful, it's the most beautiful thing. And we need it. We need it. And you know what? When, 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 we, when we, we add faith to that gift out there, and we start taking risks out there with our neighbors and our friends, and they say, how, how did you know that? And you know what? It reveals his character. It reveals his kindness. And it doesn't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to shake. You don't have to, there doesn't have to be a drum roll. You don't have to dim the lights. It's, it's like ordinary. It's, he comes into the ordinary. He speaks into the ordinary. And it's your birthright. Okay. Gosh, you are all the way around, aren't you? Hello. My word. There's you up there. We need to give you your money back. Uh, wow. Gosh, have you seen up round here? It's amazing. What we're going to do now is, Tom, why don't you come and give everyone hope again? Um, come on, little one. Come to Daddy. <laughs> We're friends, <laughs> aren't we? What? It's not on. <laughs> Thank you so much. God bless you. What we're going to do now is... Um, I have no idea what the Lord wants to do. And if you've got no idea, the best thing is to wait for him. So I'm actually going to sit down again. <laughs> and uh, going to pray. And then we're going to wait. Now, no one needs to do anything. No one needs to... We don't, we, we, you don't hype the Holy Spirit up. He comes down. And all we do is wait. We want this to be him. All right? And no one needs to prophesy or sing or pray or read anything right now. There is a time for that. And we might well do that later. But right now, let's just, let's just receive. Let's just still our hearts. And Father, all over this amazing building, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would equip us. Give us revelation. 
of the glory and the beauty of the Son. We welcome you. Spirit of God, come Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We long for you. We invite you. Move in this place, in both halls, upstairs and downstairs. We wait for you now. Now just wait. Bless you, Lord. More of you. More of your presence. Rest on us. We're thirsty. We're thirsty for you. If you're not feeling anything, neither am I. That's okay. Okay? It's, it's not about that. There's a perfect time for everything. But I, I wonder if some of you, you're sensing God's presence in different ways. But for some of you, it, I think what it is, and please only respond if this really is. Don't try and help me out. I know you won't. We want this to be authentic. But for some of you, it's like there's, it feels like there's just a weight on you. It's like a heaviness. And it's a good heaviness, but it just feels like, and it's almost, you feel like almost you're trembling inside. Um, if that's you, um, could you just come forward now? If you're upstairs, come downstairs. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to bless what God has begun to do. If you, that's you, just, just come. Don't be afraid to be first. We're going to wait. If no one comes, then I obviously got it wrong. And nobody died. That's it. That's it. We're going to wait for you. Now, others don't become a spectator. Just this is like the first wave of his presence. This is the first wave of his presence. And there's more to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would increase your anointing. Lord, would you increase your anointing? Now, I don't know if this is what's happening for all of you. But I think for some of you, what the Lord's doing is he's, he's, he's sharing his heart with you. He's sharing kind of his, his compassion with you. And don't be afraid of what begins. And there are also some of you, like in the last few moments, I think, it's like you want to weep, but you don't know why. 
you've been having fun, but you know it's not for you, but you feel like you just, almost you want to weep. And it, for some of you, it's like, a, oh, it feels like that. If that's you, could you come as well? Just come now from wherever you are. That's it. That's it. That's it. And for those, for you, guys, I think for, for all of you to a degree, it's like he's, he's wanting to fill you with his compassion. Because if we, if we go out and we minister, the prophetic isn't a technique. It's the heart of God. It comes out of relationship. It comes out of relationship. And now, Spirit of God, would you rest on them? That's it. Let the Lord meet with you. Let the Lord meet with you. More of you, Lord. I'm going to ask the, the prayer team to come and just begin to lay hands on these folk and just move around. And don't be afraid of what comes up. Don't be afraid of what comes up. Okay, just come and pray for them. Just come and pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And uh, we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to get into emotionalism. But we're not going to be afraid of emotion because that's part of being human. All right? It's part of being human. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, anoint them with your compassion. And Lord, give them visions and dreams. And, and Lord, of your heart. Uh, Lord, say it's not about their ministry. It's about your people. It's about your people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, do you know what? Do you see how this is gentle? No one has to shout. No one has to, you know, we're just, just waiting on Jesus. We're just waiting on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I think that there are some of you that as I've been speaking, what's happened is you've realized, oh, my word, I think you've been speaking to me, Lord, and I didn't realize it was you. And what it is is you long for this. You long to move in the prophetic, not so that you can have a title, but so that you can serve others. And you know God's calling you to this, but you don't know, you, you just know you need an anointing from heaven. If that's you, just would you come forward and could you stand um, just behind these folk? It might be in the aisles. There's actually a lot of space over in the, which we call this the upper hall. Um, I don't know what else to call you, the the elite venue that's it that's the title just come now just come now just come now you might want to come right round there's some of you you know you know and and for some of you you've been getting dreams and visions you've been getting stuff but you haven't known what to do with them and it's actually and for some of you you felt it was like you thought why do I sometimes get premonitions why do I sometimes feel like I just knew this was going to happen um just come right round and just that's it. Stand if you can. Could you let them through if you can? All right. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. All right. If, you, if you're at the front then. Now, I just want the others to come and in a moment to lay hands. There's a whole bunch of folk here. We need... Um, the, the prayer team is now going to become the enabling team. Um, and everyone else is going to be the prayer team. So, um, get on with it. If there's someone near you... if the qualification you need for the rest of this meeting to pray for people is if you love Jesus and breathe oxygen. Okay? So why don't you just, if there's someone nearby, just come put a hand on their shoulder 
and you're just praying blessing. You don't have to pray complicated prayers. You don't have to do anything. Just, 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 Father, now I pray, just receive this from the Lord. In the name of Jesus, would you anoint our brothers and sisters with prophetic gifts. Give them visions and dreams, Lord. And Lord, give them your prophetic heart. Give them your prophetic heart for all of these folk here. Lord, release your heart of love. Release your heart of love to them. Just fill them. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Don't be afraid of what begins now. That's the Lord. Lord, release release boldness, Lord. Your disciples, your people prayed for boldness in Acts chapter 4, and you shook the, the building. Lord, would you do it again? Equip your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We might need a lot more to pray right round the back. They're almost out the door there, over here. And right round the back there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tom's going to begin just to play. And we're going to keep looking to Jesus and worship. Um, And maybe uh, uh, fairly soon, if the rest of the band, slowly you could join him. That would be good. Um, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now... I get this wrong, but I decided a while ago I'm going to go for it because I'd rather go for it and get it wrong than always wonder. If I get it wrong, I just look a bit silly and nobody dies. But if it's Jesus, someone gets blessed. And I think there's someone here. Um, you, 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 you know you're called um, to... Uh, 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 um, it's, it's like full-time mission um, but you, you know but you don't know and you've been getting torn up with it you've been getting torn up and you ask the Lord this evening would you speak to me would you speak to me and uh, uh, during the evening you ask the Lord and, and you've been going backwards and forwards and you've been saying to yourself no 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 I, th- I think that's just me and there's a fear involved um, where are you if that's you, we just, is that you? All right. Okay. It's okay. Isn't it? Okay. Is there a, okay, is there a lady leader who could come and pray here? Is, um, a, that's it. And he loves you. And he's, he's going to look after you. And you're not going to be on your own as you step out in this. He loves you. He loves you. And he heard your prayer. He heard your prayer. That's why he told me. He heard your prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there... Now, okay, you you may want to come quietly to me if you prefer... But is, is there a couple here, uh, you're trying for a baby, and um, uh, I think it wasn't, not this last Monday, the Monday before, um, you were at um, the hospital um, having stuff, stuff done, and it was, uh, and you, you just, yeah, you've just been asking the Lord and longing, and I, I just love us to pray for you. I'm not saying what will happen I don't know, but I just know we're meant to pray for you. If that's you, could you be really brave and make yourself known to me? If that's what happened, not last Monday, the Monday before, you were at a hospital 
um, I don't know if it was tests or you were having IVF or something as a couple and um, I just love we just love to pray for you please make yourself known if that's you before the end of the meeting we're not going to embarrass you I promise There's a couple here. Um, you're, you're really, you're really worried about uh, your uh, a son and a daughter, and they're both in a bad way. And it's like you just, you're beside yourself, and it, you feel like, what? Where did, where did we go wrong? Where did I go wrong? And um, you've been thinking about them tonight during the meeting, and uh, your, your heart's been aching. Your heart's been aching. And uh, there's, they're, they're both in a, in a bad place. And uh, it's like you, you just don't know what you can do. Whenever you've tried to, to do something, it's felt like it's made it worse. Um, it'd just be great to pray for you. Where, where are you? Is that you? All right. Okay. Okay, it's okay. So is, there a, is there someone in leadership who can come and pray with our, our dear sister here? That's it. That's it. Just receive. Just receive from him. Don't. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Now, we're not going to be afraid of tears, okay? Someone once said, if you can't, um, I said it last night, bleed in a hospital, where can you bleed? And if you can't cry in church, where can you cry? This is a safe place. We're meant to be family. This is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. Do you see how kind Jesus is? This is all so kind. And it's meant to be normal. This is meant to be every day. This isn't meant to be weird. We're going to worship the Lord for a while and we're going to see what else he wants to do.